for the beautiful singing of the truths of the faith. And I pray now that you bless our ears to hear the word. God, give us grace to accept it. Change us by it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to look at the gospel according to Zephaniah. The gospel according to Zephaniah. Now this message, remember, from Zephaniah is given right in the heart of the land of the people of God. It's in Jerusalem, that great city which was to be the picture of the abode of God, the land across the Jordan, Canaan land, Beulah land, we've probably sang it before. The city of God, the land which would flow with milk and honey. This is where this was taking place, the land of plenty where the people of God were to enjoy the protection and peace of their God under the law of their God, and they would be his people and he would be their God. Yet, notice how the prophet describes this place for us. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. What an Old Testament description of lostness. Rebellious, defiled, oppressing, stiff-necked, refusing to listen will not be corrected, neither trusts nor draws near to God. And notice how the true prophets of God spoke to the Old Testament church, the people of God. God is your God. There's only one God. The world can't hear this and won't hear it. But the world inside the church can't and won't hear the truth of who God is, this one true God. But yet we are here to speak in these terms. We are supposed to. There's only one God. So let him who has ears to hear, hear. Humble yourselves before the one true God. Take correction. Trust in God. Draw near to him. But he says to Jerusalem at this time, even your teachers within the church, be reminded you are most responsible. You profane what is holy. You do violence to the law. What a daunting message to the people of God. But only the elect of God can hear such a message and endure it and repent over it and then submit to God and flee from the lawlessness. Those within the church or within the earshot of the prophet who are not chosen of God will only rebel more and only do more violence to the law. It's the very reason so many called or so many so-called children of God, so many so-called Christians cannot endure sound doctrine because they don't belong. And the church still, like Israel of old, the church is still laced. Christendom is still laced with fickle, treacherous men who profane what is holy and do violence to the law. And some people love it that way. Ear-tickling preachers and their message are nothing new. It's definitely increased in these latter days, but 
fleshly men have always loved fleshly preaching. Preaching that caters to their desires and lusts. Preaching that says or suggests you can keep living however you want to. And God is fine with your sin. God is okay with your lawlessness. Lost men will travel far and wide to find that kind of preaching. But the saved of God will not endure it. In fact, cannot endure it because their God is the Lord. Notice that's what he says here in verse 6. The Lord within her is righteous. Oh, Jerusalem at this time may be corrupt and unjust, but her Lord within her is still righteous and he does no injustice. Righteous men and righteous women love their righteous God. Righteous people love righteousness. We love what is right. We love what is just. And we recognize that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and find safety. Those of us who are born again, the saved of God, we are rebuffed by righteousness, but yet we still love it. We don't rebel against it. The saved of God listen to the voice of righteousness. They receive correction because it comes from the Holy Spirit. The saved trust in the Lord and draw near to Him. Every morning it says, He shows forth His justice. Each dawn He does not fail. But the unjust knows no shame. The people of God, the righteous child of God, not righteous on our own account, but righteous because we have been given the righteousness of Christ, we recognize every day is a gift from the Lord. We, we recognize every breath is a gift from a just God. Yet the unjust people, the unrighteous people give no glory to God. They do not honor Him with their lives and they're ashamed of nothing, Zephaniah says. In fact, the unjust man will shake his fist in the face of God and scream, I will not have you over me. I will live how I want to. And even if you exist, God, you cannot tell me different. That's the difference in a righteous and an unrighteous person. And they were both in the kingdom of God at this time. They were both in Jerusalem. There were those who were saved and righteous, and there were those who were not. And so when the prophet comes and speaks this message, for many, they just scoffed at it or laughed at it. Many hated it. But some heard it and repented and endured, even though God was about to wreak havoc on them. See, those of us who know God, we, those who know not God, rebel at every truth, every just cause, every righteous deed, those who do not know God, they revel in their wickedness. They love their immorality, their sexual perversions, their out-of-control passions, their desire to be unnatural. Those who do not know God refuse to be corrected because in their heart there is no God or authority in their life other than themselves. Here's the truth about this flesh that we are still all veiled in. There are times that each of us who do name Christ as our Savior. There are times when just like those who do not know God, the way they act, there are times when our passions and our perversions and our lusts are out of control, or that at least they want to be in control. There are times when we do not want to hear the truth, 
and correction. But the difference in us and the world is that we do hear it and we do listen and eventually we are corrected by it and we do trust in the Lord and we do draw near to Him because we are the true people of God. And when the shepherd calls, the sheep hear His voice. So praise be to God for that. What separates us from those that God is rebuking in Jerusalem in Zephaniah's day and those who God rebukes even to this day, the difference is we are both rebuked by the truth. One person becomes more rebellious. The other person is softened and repents and trusts God. Hey, if you're the person that trusts God and doesn't rebel at truth, give him glory for that. Because it's not of your own doing. It's not because God looked down through time and saw something special in you and decided he'd save you because you were worth it. It's because for whatever reason, in God's economy, he chose you before the foundation of the world and he has poured out his love upon you and he has ravished you with his love. He has saved you in Jesus Christ. And yes, sometimes the truth still hurts and sometimes your flesh still rebels, but grace will overcome and it does overcome. And brings you to him. The shepherd calls and the sheep follow him. They hear his voice. He continues. God speaking. I have cut off the nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets. So that no one walks in their cities. Have been made desolate. Without a man. Without an inhabitant. Remember we spoke about Nineveh not long ago. How God so utterly destroyed it. That it was thousands of years before it was ever uncovered. Buried it under the earth. He so destroyed it. And God said, I did that. So surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Again, God is speaking to his people. Judah, Jerusalem, to the church. I've done all this for you. I've rescued you over and over. I've destroyed your enemies. Surely after all I've done, you'll accept correction. Surely you will fear me. Yet she only became more eager to make her deeds corrupt. This is frightening. God is saying, I've done all these things for you. I've taken away your enemies. I've given you victories at times without you even having to fight. And yet you only become more corrupt. All these wonders and miracles, if you will, and yet you still don't come to me. Sometimes isn't that a frustrating thing? You look around and wonder, how do you not see Christ? How do you not want God when he's done so much for you? But the Bible testifies over and over, those who do not love God and do not know him, no matter what he gives to them, what he does for them, they'll only become more rebellious. It's a great mystery. A wonderful example of the fact that men will not and cannot naturally come to God and seek Him and fear Him. There are no works on earth, no amount of blessing and overcoming enemies, no amount of miracles will bring people into a relationship with God. So for a natural man, the blessings of God will only serve to further corrupt them. This is exactly what Jesus spoke about in the parable of the rich man Lazarus in Luke 16. Or Lazarus found him, uh, the rich man found himself in hell and he was begging uh, Abraham to send 
Lazarus to dip his finger in water and touch his tongue to give him some relief. But Abraham spoke back from the abode of God and said, there can't, this can't be. There's a great gulf between us. We can't go from here to there. And he said, well, please send Lazarus back from the dead to speak to my five brothers so they'll believe and not come to this awful place. As you may recall, Abraham spoke back and said, if, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe though one were to come back from the dead. What a great testament against some of the craziness that we see going on in Christendom today where people believe if they just do something bold enough and big enough and grand enough and excite people enough and do great miracles that there will be some kind of revival and Jesus is very plain. Even if people came back from the dead, those who can't believe won't. And in Zephaniah's day, even if God gives them great victories and saves them over and over from their enemies and even destroys their enemies completely, you would think that would cause them to turn and repent and come to God. And yet he says for many, all it did was further heap up, pile up their rebellion. The good news and the gospel comes to us through Zephaniah. The one remedy that will bring men to repentance and to God it's not miracles. It's not riches and blessing. It's not giving men what they want. But it's God bringing to them what they need. Through the prophet, God says, Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day when I rise up and seize the prey, for the, for the decision is to gather the nation. My decision is to gather the nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation. All my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst. Your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain, but I will leave in your midst a holy people, humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice, speak no lies, nor there shall be nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. What a beautiful picture of the day of Christ. The day in which we live, the day which will come to ultimate fulfillment. When Christ returns, this is the gospel in the Old Testament. It's not the earthly blessings that will bring men to repentance. It wasn't the law that would bring men to righteousness, but a heavenly blessing brought to earth from God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to earth to gather his bride, the church. The only way the true church, the true people of God can hear the call of God and trust in him and draw near to him is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said himself in John 6 and 44, No one can come to the Father, come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day, as it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. John teaches the same thing in 1 John 2, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but the anointing teaches you about everything. It is true and is no lie. 
just as he taught you, abide in him. This is the message through Zephaniah, the same message that rings true all through the scripture that is fulfilled in Jesus. Come out from among them and be separate, declares the Lord. This is the call of God to his people. Aren't you glad you've heard this call? So many haven't. So many around us cannot hear this. So many around us, they hear this message and they only get more stiff-necked. They only get more rebellious. There's peace and comfort. It says, none shall make you afraid. You shall graze and lie down. What a beautiful picture of the peace that we have in Christ. No deceitful tongues, no lies, no injustice, no haughtiness, but rather lowliness and humility. Listen, I don't know the answers to all your earthly problems. I'm not a good psychological counselor. I don't know how to fix all that is wrong, all your ailments. But I know that even in the midst of them, the Bible teaches us that we can graze and lie down, knowing God. Knowing that He is working all things together for good. You believe that? Even though it doesn't seem like it, this is what God does for His church. I've thought a lot in the last days about families around that are suffering. How horrible their grief must be in their agony. And I don't know the whys to all that is happening. But I hear these gospel promises that even in the midst of everything around us, all the horribleness, all the wretchedness, all the sin, all the death, all the sorrow, the people of God, he will cause to graze and lie down. How does he do that? How does he lead us beside the still waters? Even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes, that's what God does for his church. You shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. Did you hear the words of that song a minute ago? God was pleased to punish him and look on me. He should have punished me, but he didn't. What a crazy blessing. This is the gospel promise. You will not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you rebelled against me. We've all rebelled against him, yet we get grace. Why? Because that's the gospel. One more reason to rejoice. It's not that we didn't rebel against God and he redeemed us, but rather that he redeemed us out of our rebellion and took away our haughtiness and brought us down to humility. We're no longer stiff-necked towards God. There may be times where we don't want to hear it, there may be times that our flesh doesn't like it, but we are overcome by grace. He's done this all over the earth. All kinds of people from every nation and every language has been brought together under one pure language, one pure tongue. We all call upon the same Lord through Jesus Christ and serve him with one accord, it says here. And Zephaniah, literally with one shoulder. Think about that picture. It's like all of us are pushing in the same direction. We're making something move because we're all in one accord. We're all 
sort of like we have one shoulder together in whatever it is we're doing. We're moving in the same direction. That's the picture of the church. No matter what part of the world it comes from, no matter what people group it is happening in, the church is one under God. Are you thankful today that God brought you out from the ruins of this world? Saved you? You could have and would have been deceived by bad preaching, by corrupt leaders just like those in Jerusalem. But God, for some reason, has shown you favor. He's called and given you ears to hear and eyes to see. Perhaps some of you this morning are hearing this and realizing, wow, I see this. I trust this. I believe this. And he's given you ears to hear and eyes to see. And in the words of the prophet, he has given you plenty to eat and a place to lie down. You feed on Christ and you lie down and you rest in him and you rise up in him and you live in him. When all around you there are those who hate God and hate righteousness and hate justice and despise correction. But here you are in the midst of it, loving all those things. How odd is that? That is the gospel peace. The gospel that those in the New Testament said. Just like Jesus himself said, the scriptures are they which testify of me. Here is an Old Testament prophet testifying of Jesus to come. What a true blessing. What favor. None of us deserve it, but yet it's ours because we are God's. What a great promise. What a great blessing. What a great gospel. None are so rebellious that they cannot be saved. None are good enough that they will be saved apart from the righteousness of God rescuing you out of your rebellion. You may not be as rebellious as those in Jerusalem. You may not be like these leaders who willfully led people astray. Rebellious nonetheless because you refuse to come to God in Christ. Turn from your sin and turn to God. That's the gospel call, and those who are God's will hear it and respond. The sheep of God will follow the shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, that even in these, to us, seemingly obscure Old Testament books, we find these great messages of hope. Because we read these passages, and they sound so mean and ugly and the descriptions sound so harsh but yet when we just look around we see that they're no less apt to today then than they are today with all around us we see this kind of wickedness we see people pursuing their own desires and their own passions and the lust of the flesh the pride of life and the lust of the eyes all the things that we've all struggled with and at times we still do but thank you that you will not leave us to those vices. Thank you that you redeemed us out of it. And I pray that you will continue to redeem your people. You will continue to give people ears to hear. And change their will that they will repent. And follow you and trust you. God, just change your people. And save them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.